Beyond Infinity. The coming election is going to be another presidential election in the United States. It'll be between, uh, well, President Trump. Trump will definitely be there. For, on the, and the, former the Vice President. Joe Biden yeah. is the Democrat candidate. So those guys against each other. And, you know, a big part of Trump's success back in 2016 and winning the White House as a, as a complete political outsider, as a, basically a, a businessman, property developer and reality TV show host with no prior political experience. A big part of his success was just mastery of social media, very clever and possibly verging on the illegal use of things like Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and other big data mining companies to look at who are swing voters, who are people who you're better off to discourage from voting, who are people you want to vote, target them with very, very nuanced and tailored ads that fit really well into their thinking and had a very pronounced effect at the poll in getting Trump uh, elected. You know, don't forget that you know, a week or two out from that poll uh, in, at the end of 2016 when he was elected president, you know, he was a, an outsider. He was, you know, considered as tw- it was 20 to 1 or 15 to 1 just a week before that poll. So, uh, you know, so he, it, it was a remarkable result. And a lot of that was to do with his control of social media and his, his very effective use of it. So going into this next campaign, four years on, even more politically charged with the background of the COVID, COVID pandemic and now with uh, race riots and uh, a lot of civil unrest around America. I think it's fair to say it's going to be a pretty ugly, bruising, no-holds-barred, gloves-off campaign and that it is definitely going to be using social media to the, the maximum effect both sides will be. Yeah, particularly and, if you and- don't want to have large group gatherings like they normally or typically do with what we've seen with you know particularly president trump going around and even doing more events within the last 12 months which is through the upcoming election uh, i believe you know the rallies that he puts together and they're they're filled with a lot so many people i mean thousands of people turn up to these and so unfortunately that that can be where the the virus can easily spread and i'm not sure what the plans are for those kind of live events in future but it would be much more suited to to, to be the online version and through social media as to what you were talking about. But you know what? I actually think that the situation is so charged, just as we've seen with looting and riots and um, protests that have swept across America, most of it has been peaceful, but there has been some really extreme examples of violence and and, and not just on the groups in America that feel like they're you know, the victims of, of police brutality or uh, other forms of, of prejudice or bad treatment or marginalisation by the political system, not particularly new issues, but they've been highlighted recently. In amongst those protesters have actually been far-right groups protesting on the side of Trump. I did see footage of large groups brandishing baseball bats. There were some flashpoints, and so I guess that, that suggests to me that in really highly political, uh, politically charged times and a very, very pivotal election coming up, I think that a lot of people will go out and protest regardless of COVID risk, both sides of American politics. Well, so many people have lost their jobs. I mean, it's such an uneasy, unknown known time for, for so many people that they've got no income and they're worried about the inequality of, of the system with racism and you know, poverty and uh, and everything that, that circles around that, then yes, why not get out in the streets and why not speak your voice and and argue for the, those that are oppressed? And, and whether, whether you be black or white, it is a difficult time for Americans. I mean, it is for, for everybody, but it just seems at the moment that 
America the Great, from what I had grown up with, what I've, what I've seen over years, has struggled these last probably more than the four years. I mean, there's always been this this uh, racism undercurrent. There's always been that history uh, there. And there's, mm. there's been talks of improving America, uh, but the, the divide between the rich and the poor, between, you know, the social classes and the racial divide has, has probably worsened in, in what I've noticed, particularly for the last four years. But as someone that could help us out and make us understand better, it's probably been uh, you know, worsening for you know, years, generations. Yeah, for, for decades. Yeah. yeah, look, that's right. Don't forget, you know, in the 1960s, when they were putting people around the moon in orbit, 1968, you know, America was in a very, very divided political situation at that stage. Uh, there were race riots. There was a lot of resentment against police treatment of, of minorities and blacks. Kind of similar stuff, but you're right. But this has been sadly going on for a long, long time in America. They do have that history of black slavery in America. It's a very un- unfortunate and sad legacy from their founding years. There's repercussions of that even today. The damage and the, the, the sense of injury persists without wanting to get too partisan and too political. I think that Trump has made, you know, it's, it's been useful for him to divide groups and to, to play on divisions. And this is part of his cleverness as a politician to kind of, in some ways, stoke the, the flames of division within different groups in America because it actually suits him. It works to his advantage in the polls. And this was something that he did you know, in the 2016 election, and it looks like the same sort of pattern is going to be repeated in the lead up to elections at the end of of 2020. What I'm getting at is his use of social media. Started off with George Floyd, a black man who was killed by a white police officer in Minneapolis. Everyone's seen the footage by now. A policeman kneeled on his neck. He was handcuffed. Uh, He was possibly intoxicated, lying on the ground. A police officer leant on his neck for over eight minutes and the man suffocated and died. Uh, There's been footage of a a white man in his 70s, pushed backwards, fell over, hit his head, wound up in critical condition in hospital with head injuries. Um, Even an Australian TV reporter who was uh, in Washington, D.C., was uh, pushed and shoved by the police for just being a reporter, just not even in the way, was actually quite protected, I think behind a trailer or behind a, a solid object. They were pushed and shoved and effectively abused by the police officer there. So it's certainly happening a lot. So in response to that, there was this big outcry. There's been other examples. This is not just now. This is not just pandemic stuff. The violence by uh, police against black people, you know, over several years, it's, it's been going on. It's caused huge disruptions. It has caused riots in past years. But this year seems to be particularly poignant, not only because of it was all caught on cameras. You know, the world's now, you know, most people have got a, a, a video camera in their pocket in the form of their smartphone. Those cameras are getting better and better. Everyone's got them. So there's, there's a much greater chance of this stuff being caught on film, winding its way, you know, up onto, uh, onto the nightly news. So this is what happened with George Floyd. And then after that, to sort of quell this rioting and, and uh, violent protest that had, had followed that event, Trump, uh, among other things, he tweeted, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Apparently quoting a former Miami police chief who in December 1967 promised violent reprisals to protests over stop and frisk police tactics. That police chief uh, back in the 60s was Walter Headley. Those words, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. 
were used by the President of the United States, possibly in reference to uh, statements made back in the 1960s in that era we talked about. A similar kind of thing going on. There was a lot of, a lot of protest. In some cases, it was getting out of hand and becoming violent. Twitter added a notice to that tweet from the President two hours after it was posted, saying, this tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. There was a link then to Twitter's policies about uh, public interest exceptions. Which is the first time that there's been anything against President Trump's tweets, isn't it? His numbers are enormous on Twitter. He's he's got 80.3 million followers on Twitter. And if he was concerned that somehow Twitter was obstructing his popularity or reducing his numbers on that platform, well, he he gained 1.7 million in the last month. So, uh, you know, that's very significant numbers every day of people who've been tuning into the president's Twitter account becoming followers. Trump knows that Twitter is a very important vehicle for him. He's tweeted tens of thousands of tweets since he's been president. He's clearly heavily reliant on Twitter and Facebook and, and other platforms well. As well. It's been, he's been a pro- prolific tweeter uh, that it's almost a stream of consciousness for him. I mean, there's days when we, you know, we hear in the news reports, the TV reports that uh, the, the President Trump is having presidential time. And, and during that time, you start to see all these tweets pop up, which is just this... It could be anywhere from five tweets to 20 tweets, just a stream of consciousness talking about the particular subject at hand and bashing the fake news media, uh, pick a topic, and he's probably um, you know, argued uh, against it in, in support of his own ideas. So it's something yeah. that he has relied on as the primary social media system to, to get his message out. So there's, I think there's the official White House Twitter account, but he uses his own personal Twitter account as the primary method to notify the world about what his thoughts are. Uh, He uses it for all different purposes. He uses it a lot to attack his enemies, whether it's media, supposed left-wing media outlets in the United States. uh, he, he He has an ongoing sort of battle via Twitter with them and calls a lot of the stuff which they come out with fake news. You know, you just need to think of the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN. These are all big media organizations in the United States that regularly cop flack from the president. It's against his opposition. And he realizes that, you know, he's got he's got 80 million people who can tune in with their phones. They can instantly see, they can get an alert when he posts something. So it is a way of getting, rather than waiting for the news cycle to catch up and waiting for people to sit down and watch the, the 7 o'clock news if they do or listen to their radio when they're driving to work or whatever the normal ways that they'd consume media and can get hold of the news. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, those services allow far more instantaneous projection of you know what he wants to say. If I wasn't constantly harassed for three years by fake and illegal investigations, Russia, 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 and the impeachment hoax, I'd be up by 25 points on Sleepy Joe and the do-nothing Democrats. Very unfair, but it is what it is. That's just an example of the kind of tweets yeah. that, that, that he puts out on a regular basis. There are literally tens of thousands of them that he has done. So he's been annoyed with Twitter and he took them to task and he basically had a, had a, had a big go at them about them censoring, daring to, to not actually censor. It was a soft censor. It was basically, yeah. It was, a, yeah. It was a very soft censor to, to just highlight, oh, sorry, this is actually breaching our terms and conditions on inciting violence. Twitter doesn't want, and, and no, no uh, big platforms that have a lot of influence and power, just as you wouldn't want a newspaper to do it or a radio station, you have a responsibility to not be actually 
directly supporting. So you don't have people saying, oh, let's go and meet at the park and, and bring along your guns and let's go and, and, and shoot up a, a political enemies. You know, let's go and, let's go and take on the, the Union March or the, or the Black Lives Matter March, you know, and vice versa. You know, mm. it's, all groups are uh, treated equally. At least that, that's the theory. And now, now Trump would be arguing against that. But it's the president we're talking about. And he has been identified by Twitter for making that comment, particularly that, you know, that famous one, if you're looting, we're shooting paraphrasing his words and, and, um, and mainly because of the being who he is i mean if i posted something like that not that i would but if if i did twitter is probably not gonna even register that as a tweet at all because i'm way too far down the food chain for that to be considered influential in any respect but he being the leader of the free world with as you say you know 80 million followers and people have got alerts to go and read the tweet as soon as it goes up that's very influential many people within a America do listen to, to him I mean he's you know remember where we talked about using bleach essentially to potentially use to help against coronavirus yeah. there were people that were calling up the poisons hotline to find out if this was a true method to, to fix themselves up so yeah the, the problem is is he does have influence even though many people do not like him he does have a support base i think that's around the 40 45 percent um uh, mark of americans uh, maybe that's high but you know let's, let's call it that number as an approximate and so when he does tweet people listen and therefore they should be looked at his tweet should be looked at from these platforms to determine is it appropriate or if we do nothing, are we complicit? Are we effectively saying it's okay to tweet these kind of things? You're listening to Beyond Infinity. So what his tactic is, if you say something that he doesn't like, he attacks you. He either calls the media outlet fake news, or he attacks Twitter's policy for censoring him, and then he, he you know, basically says they're they're violating the principle of free speech. You know, I should be allowed to say these things. This is me expressing myself. I am the president. I, I should be allowed to do this without being without having my tweet later renamed. A little note posted by Twitter saying, "Oh, you know, this is in breach of our our policies." The thing that also happens is that people then wind up wondering what they can believe and what they can't believe. And it, it actually throws everything into doubt. When you have a leader, when you have a president, people do listen to the president. It's, it's an important office. If he is branding large sections of the media as liars or the purveyors of fake news, it makes a lot of people doubt all news. So then it becomes a world where what can you believe? Even the truth is not believed because it's all been made doubtful by people saying by you know one side says oh that's fake news then the other says oh no that's just that's you because you don't like our politics or whatever you don't like to be criticized then they're both in this war of of denying the truth of what the other is saying and then the the public is left you know their head spinning going well i just don't know what to believe i don't know who to believe i don't know what to believe and that can serve that can serve the political purposes of someone like trump because he'd rather have you left bewildered and not knowing who to believe and and more likely to believe a twitter feed so not only did he complain bitterly against and and very threateningly against twitter uh, but he's also come out with an executive order which is looking to change the way that social media can operate we'll include links to this it's, it's executive order on preventing online censorship 
this was something apparently that Trump had been talking about and he'd been arguing about and he'd put out various press releases and so on saying, look, this is something that I'm thinking about doing. And this has been going on for, I think, at least a couple of years over some of the issues that he's had with what he sees as, as unfair treatment on social platforms and in the media generally. Now, because of what's happened in, in, in recent weeks, with, with Twitter in particular, but also with Facebook and Instagram, I believe, he's actually come out with an executive order on preventing online censorship. And we will post links to this. It was issued on the 28th of May, 2020. It basically says, by the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, it is hereby ordered as follows. It talks about free speech being the bedrock of American democracy. It says uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube wield immense, if not unprecedented power to shape the interpretation of public events, to censor, delete or disappear information and to control what people see or do not see. Uh, As president, I've made clear my commitment to free and open debate on the Internet. Such debate uh, is just as important online as it is in our universities, our town halls and our homes. It's essential to sustaining our democracy. So all that kind of sounds okay, but there are certain key passages in this that are of concern. He refers to deceptive, pretextual or inconsistent with a provider's term of service. So he's saying that if you're going to use Twitter and you do anything in the way of censorship, which is against your terms of service, then you can be called out for that. He's kind of forcing social platforms to abide very closely by their terms of service and possibly if they don't want to be shut down to adjust their terms of service to be more consistent with what politicians want you know, what what people who want to use their services want. One key part of the the law of America is that if you post something to Twitter, the platform's not held responsible for what you post, right? Now, this is potentially becomes an area where the platform can be responsible for something that's posted. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is used by people all around the world, as you know, including the leader of Iran. He uses Twitter on some occasions to attack America or to to say things which uh, America doesn't agree with on a political level. And there are quite heavy sanctions against Iran uh, from America. The implications of that is that you're not allowed to actually uh, do business with Iran. The accusation has been that, well, Twitter is effectively in breach of sanctions because it's allowing the leader of Iran (laughs) to use its platform. And, right. and this is so. This is another way that they can attack the messenger, if you like, or attack the platform. So it's a, it's very much a two-edged sword. You know, I don't think Trump wants Twitter to go away. He doesn't want Instagram or Facebook to disappear. They're too valuable to him. They're too useful to him. But at the same time, he is he's got an executive order. He's 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 raised the issue of sanctions and possible breach of sanctions, which is you know carries big fines and heavy penalties, and it's taken very seriously by Americans and by their by their lawmakers. He wants to have. Well, Huawei have found this out with these the sanctions. I mean, Huawei have not been allowed uh, to use the Google services because of the, the the sanctions that were applied to them. So, you know, I can see that maybe he's looking for some consistency there in translating that in, but also to to help his own cause uh, with how to control social networks. He says for large online platforms, this is in the executive order, that are vast arenas for public debate, including the social media platform Twitter. The FTC shall also, consistent with its legal authority, consider whether complaints allege violations of law that implicate the policy set forth in this order. The FTC shall consider developing a report describing such complaints and making the report publicly available, consistent with applicable law. 
the Attorney General shall establish a working group regarding the potential enforcement of state statutes that prohibit online platforms from engaging in unfair or deceptive acts or practices. This is quite a, a serious crystallization of threats that have been coming out of the White House against social media platforms that dare to contradict the president for some time now, for years, but it's now crystallizing down into this document. The document itself is actually quite vaguely worded and uh, it does have a, a paragraph at the very end of it which I which, I mean I just thought this was really amazingly vague and, and makes the whole thing look very wishy-washy. The last paragraph of this executive order says, this order is not intended to and does not create any right or benefit, substantive or procedural, enforceable at law or in equity by any party against the United States, its departments, agencies or entities, its officers, employees or agents or any other person. So it's like a huge caveat right at the end of that executive order on preventing online censorship. Mm. Very much about who do you think is, is, is losing out of that online censorship. If you, if you were someone who was saying something which was strongly supportive of Trump and his campaign to get re-elected, uh, you, can, you can bet your bottom dollar that that uh, executive order won't be concerned. With that particular with, person or support. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's not going to stop. There's, there's the no universe. doubt that this will be all challenged in the courts. I mean, if it's going to go to that next level where uh, they're going to impose this kind of control over what social networks can or can't do, uh, I'm sure the big players are going to join together, head to the courts, and because there's, there's questions around whether this executive order actually is uh, applicable, if it can actually apply to these companies. This is where constitutional law will get involved, and obviously the courts will have to answer this. I think it's, it's a bit hopeful from the president, potentially. Potentially we'll see this just quietly disappear in a few months' time, or if it does ramp up, it's it may not succeed through the courts. It will be interesting to see yeah, if, if this does hold weight and can be you know, moved through to the next stage. Potentially, if it gets to that, then that really does have a huge implications on how these social networks run their sites, moderate content, and, and potentially they'll just change their platform. I personally do think there needs to be more fact-checking or pr- mm. probably more identifying of certain individuals or groups or the people behind Twitter or Facebook accounts, whoever they may be, because we do see echo chambers or groups growing in there. On It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you are. It is an area where for people to develop ideas which may be dangerous. I don't think it's any surprise, but I'm left-leaning if we look at that political spectrum. So when I do see things online, I'm seeing groups develop online which have a dangerous, particularly on the right wing. And so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're happening both left and right. But I'd say a lot of groups on the right wing that are talking about how to attack you know, whether it be people or places. I mean, we saw, as you sort of briefly touched on earlier, there was the the Australian shooter in New Zealand that happened when he shot up the mosque. His his actions were the result of brainwashing, a result of you know speaking to communities on, online that had a similar idea, and he was able to use social media to to publish this. So, yeah, to live stream it, to live stream absolutely it, shocking. That's right. So that's it. And the follow up of that was that there were definite steps taken with cooperation from the big social giants to try to rein in that stuff, to check stuff, to prevent it happening again. But it's very hard to prevent a live 
stream of something. Facebook still does live streams, and yes, they have they have moderators. They've employed uh, you know thousands apparently of, of additional people to sort of manually oversee stuff that's appearing on their platform, but. Whether they can get to it in time, you know, because there's that much stuff. I mean, we're talking two and a half billion regular month users of, of Facebook. That's a lot of material, a lot of users to be watching. And an algorithm won't necessarily pick up a, a first-person shooter going into a mosque no. and, and laying a waste of a, a bunch of innocent people. You but, know, but if you go down the path of you can do and say whatever you like on a particular platform. Well, the flip side of that is you need to be maybe fully vetted. Uh, there may, needs to be proper ID or it can't be a, a fake account. It needs to be certain controls. Maybe you're licensed to be able to use that particular channel. Because if, if you're able to say and do anything online without necessarily fear of repercussions, then that creates a very toxic, bad environment that allows, whether it be a person or a group, to express dangerous ideas. That doesn't matter what part of the political spectrum you are. There are dangerous ideas on both sides. And yeah. you do restrict what certain people can say if you're going to meet, allow them to be, to a degree, anonymous uh, to, to some point, So, you know, which and is kind I mean, of the current system. Yeah, look, there's been divisions, you know, even within these, some of these social companies. Like apparently Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook was reluctant to apply much censorship to Trump's use of Facebook. And a lot of his employees were threatening to go on strike and, and walking off the job because, because they, felt, they felt let down by the policies of their boss. Mm. These organisations don't want to be interfered with. They don't want some skewer law. Oh, well, you're doing business in countries which we don't like, so therefore we're going to punish you because you're breaching sanctions. That kind of stuff. I mean, if you if you fall foul of the president of the White House, uh, and, and this is not just in America, of, of any government really, and even and even plenty of de- so-called democratic governments, if you really take them on, well, they do have the power to make life difficult for you. So, generally speaking, that the policy of of uh, the leadership of these platforms is well we don't want to step on toes we'll just make sure make sure we keep those guys happy which unfortunately you know is not really great for keeping peace and for in some cases not further dividing and inflaming already you know really tense populations you know in america that situation over there is very tense you know they've got an out of control pandemic for a, a wealthy and developed country their response and their death rate you know the, the tragedy of covid is really astounding you know i think it's got most deaths of any country in the world by quite a long way certainly there are other countries which are not looking good but america for a developed country they took a long time to respond so they're suffering in many ways at the moment economically in terms of a death toll from a from a, a terrible disease out of control disease and that, and now with social unrest which is got very very deep roots you know look it's a, it's a it's a big issue we can we, we have already talked about stuff and we'll in, include some uh, links to other stuff we've talked about in relation to the, the allegation that the russians helped put trump in the white house that that they were involved with uh, some of that manipulation of, of social media we've covered this in the past so this is kind of a continuation of stuff we've talked about on the program over the years over the over the, the three and a half to four years of the the trump presidency but it's uh, the latest and, and really quite disturbing development in that history, which we've talked about. Facebook and Instagram actually took down video tributes to George Floyd, the, the black man who was uh, killed by police in Minneapolis. These were being used by the Trump campaign in breach of copyright. Mm. So there's been some really flagrant misuses and abuses 
I hope that these social platforms can stick to their guns because I, I don't I personally don't think that anyone should be immune from needing to use these platforms responsibly exactly. and, and to just to say and oh, anything goes I can put anything up there well if that's causing violence and and, and further dividing a uh, very delicate situation well that's that's the last thing the president of the United States should be doing or anyone for that matter that's right you're listening to beyond infinity thanks for listening Remember to visit our program website, beyondinfinity.com.au, where you'll find our complete back catalogue of over 600 podcasts. That's beyondinfinity.com.au.